Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry, and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. Today, we're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry, along with some of our own considerations. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, please enjoy today's program. In the commercial and cultural center of Ephesus, the Apostle Paul stirred up tremendous opposition from the citizenry while preaching the gospel of Christ. Then shortly thereafter, Jewish opposers laid a plot against him as well. What had Paul done to be so threatened by both Jews and Greeks? Stay tuned as you won't want to miss this very interesting life study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee served the Lord Jesus for his entire life on nearly every continent and left us with a rich and bountiful harvest from his life of ministry. The fruit of his labor is the basis of our program today, and again, today we include short portions of his spoken ministry from the book of Acts, along with our own discussion and fellowship. And once again with us for that purpose is Ron Kangas. Ron, welcome back once again, and thanks for joining us today as we continue to enjoy the riches in the book of Acts. Thanks for having me. Well, we're going to see Paul today in the role, I guess, of troublemaker, Ron, as we look at chapter 20. What is the background of this portion? Paul stayed in Ephesus for three years. Ephesus, as you indicated in your opening word, was a leading cultural center. Obviously, as a pagan city, it was strongly influenced, if not dominated, by uh, demonic powers behind the scene. So this city, as all cities, until the gospel prevails there, was under the authority of the satanic darkness. So Paul comes there, a sent one of God, an apostle of God, with the revelation of God and the grace of God to release the word of God to establish and build up the church of God. So a collision in the spiritual realm is unavoidable. If Paul were just passing through, if he were just spending a weekend there, there may not have been that same kind of situation. But Paul's ministry, and, and here comes a crucial word, was prevailing. So the longer he stayed, the more powerful was the impact. Eventually, it impacted the local economy as it was related to the worship of idols. And Demetrius, one of the leaders in the trade, he was a silversmith, stirred up the people agitated with the prospect of losing business. So on the human side, there was a growing panic over economic change. The enemy behind the scene used these persons to stir up a tremendous uproar till eventually a multitude went into the, the amphitheater and they were shouting 
There was pandemonium and chaos for hours. Well, this is the environmental background. Paul is there representing the kingdom of God because he stayed there for a long time and because his ministry was prevailing. There was a tremendous effect, both in the human realm and especially in the spiritual sphere. Well, Ron, we're going to join Witness Lee now with this life study. And as you've identified, there's an array of enemies lined up, each one waiting to take their chance at the Apostle Paul. Let's join Witness Lee. In a good sense, you could consider Paul in Ephesus as a big troublemaker. Before he's going, the whole city was peaceful under the idol worship of Artemis. But he went there, uh, he did not take by naming Artemis, but he did a prevailing ministry that stirred up something that changed the society. He became a troublemaker, and the whole city was stirred up. If we would go to a place and stay, we must have the prevailingness to stir up something. His prevailing preaching teaching caused the people to have talked about the idols in that city. Then some of the craftsmen who made things for the idols, for the temples, they would uh, lose their visions. Then they stir up a big opposition. Here is a principle. If we stay, we must stay with the prevailing ministry. A ministry that can stir up people. Talking about pattern. I tell you, here's a good pattern. A pattern of making trouble. Before you come, everybody lives peacefully under the idol worship. But after you come to stay for a period of time, the entire city became a turmoil. If your work is really prevailing, you be assured, sooner or later, I tell you, your prevailingness will touch the heart of the power of darkness. And the heart of the power of darkness in Ephesus was the temple of the goddess, Artemis. The more Ephesians became believers, I tell you, the more that temple uh, would uh, have uh, lost its influence. This is for sure. The demons were there behind the scene. Today on this earth, every city is the kingdom of the devil. So, the prevailing ministry is a fighting. It is a battle. A battle done by the prevailing ministry for God's kingdom. If we do just mild, gentle, nice work, pleasing everybody, Nothing will be still up. That is not so right. Today, there is real battle raging on between God and Satan. 
Ron, we are seeing this tremendous reaction that you identified in your introduction, and as Witness Lee has developed for us, a negative reaction to the Apostle Paul. You get the impression reading this and hearing this that the level of reaction goes far beyond a normal human response. Uh, Witness Lee indicates here that we are seeing a rising up of the forces of darkness against the Lord's move and his chosen vessel. Is this a typical reaction, Ron, uh, even in modern times when servants of Christ enter into the primary focus of his move? I want to pick up on the word typical. It is typical, but it's not common. Sometimes when we use the word typical, we use it almost as a synonym for it's usual, it's commonplace. But I want to use the word typical to describe something that is found to be a crucial characteristic of a particular matter and therefore denotes something vital concerning that. No doubt, whenever the name of Jesus is exalted, the word of God is preached, and the gospel is proclaimed, there will be a hostile reaction from unbelievers and from the spiritual forces. That, we may say, is the common reaction. If I recall, you spoke about the servants of Christ entering into the primary focus of his move. Not many servants of Christ enter into this. We're not demeaning the various works, but it's one thing to carry out an ordinary Christian work, a rather commonplace missionary work, or a day-by-day so-called pastoral work. But it is altogether possible, even likely, that those kind of works are not in the primary focus of God's move to carry out his economy. When a faithful minister of God enters into and remains faithfully in the center of his move to carry out God's economy, and that servant of God remains in a particular place for a length of time, there will be a reaction typical of that combination. That is an extremely powerful reaction on the negative side by God's enemy to a manifest outworking of the very thing God's enemy hates. That is the carrying out of God's economy to propagate the resurrected Christ that he may have the increase of Christ, the church, his body, as his expression and representation, so that the bride of Christ may be prepared and the kingdom of God brought to the earth manifestly with the Lord's coming again. I'm not going to say much in detail, but from our own experience and our own history, we know that this is the case. When the ministers of God are in the center of his up-to-date move to carry out 
God's economy. There eventually will be a typical but not common reaction. A reaction that shows we really are in a spiritual warfare of cosmic proportions. There are a lot of books on spiritual warfare today. They do not touch this dimension of warfare that we're alluding to. One can only enter into this dimension as a byproduct of being in the primary focus of God's move. And that primary focus is the primary focus of this life study of the book of Acts, and we welcome the opportunity to underscore this crucial point. Ron, I have an observation. It's not really a question, but let me make it, and I sure would invite your comment to it. Uh, what we're seeing here, in the past we've had the opposition of Jewish religionists primarily rising up against Paul. Now, in Ephesus, we see not only the Jewish religionists, God's genuine religion, we have the pagan religion uh, rising up as well that was represented by the idol worship in the city and also the secular commercial sector, the worldly sector, rising up against Paul. This is quite an alliance of these forces arrayed against Paul. How do we explain it? I don't know if I can explain in full. I, I, I would really doubt that, but I could comment a little bit. In a very real sense, God's economy involving the crucified and resurrected Christ as everything for the producing and building up of the body nullifies everything else. It crosses out human religion, tradition, worldly politics, worldly ways, and surely it threatens the kingdom of Satan. So in Acts, at first, you have the attack from the religious sphere, they're threatened by this non-religious but obviously divine move. And so religion opposes. If we look back on Acts chapter 18 in Corinth, the Roman officials, they weren't bothered. They said this is just a matter of disputes over religious law. Don't, don't trouble us with this. There was a riotous situation in Ephesus because there was now a threat to an evil economy. Really, the threat wasn't simply that these people in their form of fallen piety were so devoted to an idol. What really stirred them up, we feel, is the threat to their economic well-being and their economic well-being was tied to something idolatrous. And behind the idols were the demons. If you have the view of God's economy, and if you have a proper understanding of the enemy's strategy to fight against it, it's not surprising to see that eventually there will be a clash of immense proportions so on the human scale, the religious people, the secular people, the pagans, they will all rise up for various reasons. Then the enemy behind this scene will stir up an intense attack. This is the way it is, as it was with Paul, when someone 
is in the primary focus of God's move. Ron, I've enjoyed this line of fellowship very much. We're going to change gears uh, with Witness Lee in this final portion. We're going to touch a point that you and I talked about just the other day. Let's join him now. We have to be very, very careful and very, very cautious to realize that whatever we do, it should be absolutely on the side of the kingdom of God. Yet, you have to get yourself ready, you will be attacked. The arrows of all the demons will be toward you. Every human being is afraid of losing his life. Paul was the same. Yet, she was very strong, confronting all these attacks. When this uproar rose up, he didn't flee away. He was even thinking to enter into the very heart of uproar. But the uh, brothers held him back, telling him, don't do this way. Surely the uh, parting Jews would take the chance to kill him. He would lose his life. So he didn't get into that. Then he was protected. If you go to next chapter, you could see he was very cautious about the Jews' move. The Jews had a plot for him. You see, the next chapter tells us that he intended to uh, pass through Macedonia and then take uh, sailing from uh, Greece back to Syria. And this news went out and the Jews plotted on that route to kill him. So he was wise, he turned his uh, route, not taking that from Achaia, Greece, back to Syria. This tells us the Jews were following him all the time to get him, to get him in order to do away with him. So he was very cautious all the time. He entered into Jerusalem, not too long there, he got caught by these Asian Jews who followed him. He had the wisdom to appeal to Caesar, and that appealing won the case. He went to Rome and stayed there for two years. He gained the case. He got released. But anyhow, all this can show you that uh, his ministry was battling. All the day, all the time, he was fighting. It is not just a matter of idol worship. You have to know that behind the idol worship, and within the idol worship, a lot of power of darkness, full of demons. Humanly speaking, those people in Ephesus should not be like that. They behaved foolishly. They were doing something, shouting, crying, and not knowing what they were doing. The demons, in all those demon worshippers, there are all of them to do something against God's propagating ministry. But anyhow, you could see this happened 
suddenly after pause three years stay. Then he left. Now, in 19 verse 21, this verse says, when these things were fulfilled, Paul purposed in his spirit, having passed through Macedonia and Achaia, he purposed to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. Who was this time? This was a bad time to him because the Jews were plotting to get him, to kill him, on the one hand. On the other hand, this was an excellent time to him because in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he told us at this time when he was here in Ephesus, a wide door opened to him. And this door was more than fruitful. So, in the Lord used him so much to get more people. It was a crucial time. It was a hard time because the opposition was there. And it was an excellent time because the door was wide open for him fruitfully. Yet, listen, this man who was absolutely for the body of Christ, his concern was very much for Jerusalem. To see such a vessel so deeply qualified to bear the responsibility for the testimony of God's New Testament economy up to date. He was in a very difficult situation and he was in a very excellent opportunity to carry out God's New Testament economy. Yet, he had a purpose made in his spirit to go to Jerusalem. In other words, what he was so much occupied in Ephesus, his spirit was there in Jerusalem. You think about why. Well, Ron, we touched this matter in yesterday's program, and you and I touched it briefly last week, but I want to come back to it again, because it was obviously a point that Witness Lee was very much impressed with. He mentioned it in several of these life study messages, and that is the level of care and concern that Paul showed to the church, the suffering saints, and the leading ones in Jerusalem. This is really remarkable when you consider that the Lord had directed Paul in a completely different direction, that is to the Gentile world and to Europe, and it even burdened him very much with Rome specifically. How do we explain this high degree of concern on Paul's part for the church in Jerusalem? I would offer three things succinctly. First, Paul was concerned with the desire of God's heart. He was not a person whose work distracted him from God. He was not a person whose ministry replaced the Lord in his life. He ministered out of a deep love and profound enjoyment of the Lord. So whatever was in the Lord's heart became something in Paul's heart. And out of this comes the second point. The Lord is concerned for his organic body as a whole. 
and he is concerned with all of its local expressions. So Paul, who was one with the Lord in the depths of his and the Lord's being, was concerned for what the Lord is concerned about, his organic body. So yes, Paul was faithful in his own work, in his own commission. He worked according to what was measured out to him. But what about the body of Christ as a whole? So he needed to express, for the Lord's sake, this concern for the body. And the third thing, with respect to Jerusalem, Paul, we believe, was very concerned about the purity and integrity of God's New Testament economy. There was mixture there. There was a kind of religious poison there. And Paul was also burdened to deal or to help deal with that mixture for the sake of God's eternal economy. Here's a person utterly faithful in his own sphere of labor, but he lives in intimate fellowship with the Lord, enters into the Lord's heart's desire, compelled by the Lord's burden concerning his body, and furthermore is motivated by a desire to help God's people leave the old religious things, to leave every form of compromise and religious mixture, and to make a complete dispensational transfer into the reality and practicality of God's New Testament economy. Well, Ron, our first question today touched on this phrase that we've come back to time and again today, a person serving Christ in the primary focus of God's move. This is Paul, and we believe that this is the heart's desire and aim, not only of the Apostle Paul, but of all who have entered into this line of the New Testament teaching, the Apostles' teaching and fellowship, and it's really the objective of this ministry as well, isn't it? This is the burden of this ministry, the commission of this ministry, and we look to the Lord for his grace and his blessing on this matter, that we are here to learn of Paul, to take him as our pattern, that we may in our day, in our place, and in our time be in the primary focus of God's move to carry out his economy. And it's our burden concerning this that actually motivates all that we do to release this precious word to the dear children of God wherever they may be and whoever they may be. Well, if you've enjoyed our broadcast this week, uh, we would like to remind you that the printed life studies in their entirety have been published and bound together in a four-volume set that is the entire life study of Acts. We are just finishing volume number three. If you're interested in this material, please contact us. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Our life study of Acts will continue once again tomorrow. We'll have another uh, program with recorded portions from Witness Lee and more fellowship. Today, for Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, 
That's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.